Paddy, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's such a pleasure to have you here. I wanted to reach out to you after coming across Odin through a uh, opportunity got, that got sent to me. Uh, once I checked out the platform, I just had to reach out to you to learn more about it. Uh, so first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, well, yeah, look, thanks very much for having me, Nick. Before getting into Odin itself, I always like to talk to founders about their backgrounds, and I want to know more about your background before you joined and set up Odin. Mm. Um, so, uh, grew up in England, born in a place called Scunthorpe in the north of England. Um, my family's all Irish, so my, my dad's from Dublin. It sounds like you're from somewhere not too far from there. I am um, indeed. I'm from Dublin, South Dublin born and um, right, all right. Just yeah, just to the north. Oh really? He's from he's from Stillorgan anyway. Um, and my mum is from Antrim. They're doctors. They moved to the UK in the eighties. Um, obviously there wasn't like a actually like a whole lot of opportunity at, at the time in Ireland. I don't think. Um, so yeah, raised raised around there. Um, actually studied in in Dublin. Um, I studied languages. Then I worked in France. Worked in Russia. Um. Uh, early in my career, it was all really consumer goods, actually. But I think doing consumer and mainly marketing. But I think doing consumer goods stuff's been interesting for what we're doing now, because definitely in terms of how we think about marketing and how we think about presenting our products and how we think about our our product roadmap and go to market and that sort of thing. Even though what we're doing is sort of more B two B right now, um, I think is really useful. Um, and moved back to the UK in 2017. And I worked at a company called Crowdcube for a couple of years, which is an equity crowdfunding platform in the UK. I left there in 2019, um, did a bit of consulting work um, and started working in corporate venture, which is sort of like corporates investing minority equity stakes in in startups for Coca-Cola European partners, which is like the biggest European bottler and distributor of Coca-Cola. Coke's interesting business model, but it's a franchise business. I spent about 10 months doing that. And meanwhile, I was sort of like noodling on on Odin, met my co-founder, Mary, um, and we started bouncing ideas around and, and trying a, diff- a few different things. And, you know, that sort of eventually evolved into what we're, what we're doing now. Very cool. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more then about your, the, the kind of creation story? Because I read uh, an article which I think you posted on the Odin Times on Substack, which I'd encourage anybody watching or listening uh, to sign up to. Um, but can you talk a little bit more about that, um, the, the creation story? Yeah, sure. So I guess if, if, for the genesis for me was sort of like, um, I liked the mission and vision of what Crowdcube are doing. I think Darren and Luke, who founded Crowdcube, are great founders and, and you know, um, have a great vision for things. Um, I, I just felt there were, there's a range of different problems to be solved there. And I wasn't sure if like the way, I thought there was a different way to approach it. And, you know, um, what I mean specifically there <clears throat> is like venture capital is really all about top quartile um, in terms of performance. So if you're not investing in the businesses that are in the top 20, 25%, you're not going to make any money because they're the only businesses that that get to an exit, right? They're the only businesses that get acquired or IPO, and that's the only way you get liquidity. You tend to get a very high multiple on that top quartile, right? So you get this power law distribution, which most people in startup land are, are familiar with. So the problem for me is like, 
how do you access the top quartile assets? They're competitive, right? Venture's interesting in an asset class. It's the only asset class where the seller cares who the buyer is, right? So as a seller of your shares, as a founder, it matters to you who is buying those shares and why they're buying them, what value they can add and, and that sort of thing. And, and that's very different to something like, you know, selling your shares on a secondary market. Like if you're buying shares of Tesla on the stock market, you're buying them from someone else and that person couldn't give a shit who, who that person is, right? Like they just want the highest price. Um, so um, that means accessing the startups that seem to be high quality, which isn't always easy to know, especially at the early stages, but there all, are all, also obviously some signals, tends to be quite competitive. Um, so it's like, how do you get into those deals? And the problem with crowdfunding platforms is outside of consumer, they don't really seem to provide much access to those deals. So if you wanted to in invest in like an interesting B2B SaaS business or a life sciences business or someone doing something in clean tech or whatever, it's unlikely the top quartile assets will be on a crowdfunding platform because if they are, they're more likely to be businesses that the VCs, family offices and angel syndicates have already passed on. And that's why they've ended up on a crowdfunding platform. For consumer, it's different because people do it for marketing, right? Like Monzo, Revolut, free trade. If you look at European businesses, there's big consumer tech businesses who've raised a lot of money on, on crowdfunding platforms. So I was interested in solving that problem. And then as I delved deeper, I realized, okay, there's lots of other. So that was where it started for me is like, how do you sort of index the private markets? And eventually how could you offer like ETF like products that give people access to innovation more broadly, right? Starting with venture, but eventually things like private equity, hedge funds, like all these other sort of areas where, um, if you look at a family office, right, they've got a very sophisticated way of allocating capital that looks nothing like the way everyday people invest their, their money. And the reason for that is there are, there are good returns in, in sort of diversifying your risk and having some exposure to that stuff. And then as we dug deeper, um, we, you know, we realized there were, there, there were sort of other issues. So like for emerging managers, it costs hundreds of grand to like start a VC firm, right? Um, so it's very inaccessible in terms of the infrastructure. Um, but yeah, I guess how we, we started was like, okay, let's try and index the private market. So we built like data and scraping tools. Um, and then, uh, and we had a contract or we had an, an agreement with like a PE, a private equity firm that we were going to, you know, scrape information on like, I think it was like beauty brands and like pet food businesses or something like that and try and identify signals of breakouts. The idea for me was like, okay, how do we collect the data? Um, but we realized quickly, like we didn't really think the world needed more beauty brands or more pet food brands, particularly, it wasn't something that like really excited us. And also you run into this like labeling problem of like, it's actually much faster for a human to look at something and be like, that looks like an interesting business. If we're talking about pre-seed and seed companies, they can see the signals and process that information very quickly. So we set up a Slack community and this was during lockdown with like a bunch of sort of like founders, operators, angel investors. And we just stopped, started sort of sharing deals and rating the deals. And then the idea was, okay, what does people's collective intelligence say about the quality of the opportunity? What, what, which of those businesses then go on to raise money? It was a bit like product hunt. That was the idea, but you know, obviously quickly people were like, we want to invest in the deals, but there's not really like a, a good structure for syndicating investment opportunities in, in Europe, really. AngelList basically have done this very well in, in the US. Um, and, and, and that's what we sort of ended up doing. So 
I mean, I guess that rolls into what we're doing now, which I can maybe explain in a few sentences. So we basically build tools for people to invest together in innovation. Our first product lets, lets anyone raise money from their own network in a few clicks. So that could be for their own company. So founders use it to roll up lots of smaller investors and put them inside something called an SPV, a special purpose vehicle. So like a single legal entity that's one line on the cap table. And we also simplify governance. So for all those small investors, one person handles voting on, on their behalf. Um, but then also angel syndicates use it um, and, you know, sort of emerging fund managers. And we're launching like a micro fund product so you can raise money to invest in multiple companies by the platform as well. And then you can charge fees. You can charge something called carried interest. So that's one of the main ways VCs make money. So it's a share of profits on, on exit um, to their investors. And then we take care of all the legals, the admin, the banking, payments, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then next, we're sort of launching like a people-centric marketplace, which will be a layer that sits on top of that fundraising tool and allows people to discover and follow different investors apply to join their sort of private communities. You know, people call them syndicates, right? An angel syndicate is basically a private community of investors and then invest with them. And then we'll also give people the ability to discover and invest in, in funds. <clears throat> and we'll be using our SPVs as a feeder structure to collect lots of money from smaller checks, pool it and invest it in that fund as a single investor, a single LP limited partner, as they say in the, in the, in the, in the game. Amazing. Thank you so much for that context. So when you were um, going from this Slack group to trying to create a, a way, an easy way for making this investment or these investments, you were saying that there is nothing really out there in the UK or the European market, which would facilitate your needs. Um, without, I mean, you can talk about competitors if you want or indirect competitors if you like, but what were people doing uh, before Odin? that uh, how were they solving the problem themselves before you guys came along? So there were a few players out there. So Remy and Ulrich from Vauban, they'd started their business like a couple of years previous to that. I'd actually chatted with with Remy. Um, and what we felt was missing there was they were sort of targeting more like VCs. It wasn't very accessible in terms of price point. Um, and then also I think just philosophically the way their business looks at things as more like a set of SaaS workflow tools for um, fund managers rather than like building a marketplace, like a two-sided marketplace where you allow people to discover those managers and, and eventually sort of invest in other assets as well. Um, so Vauban was available, but you know, it cost at the time like 10 or $15,000 sort of minimum to do an SPV. So if you wanted to raise like 50, 75 grand, right? This was like us and our friends, right? So like the problem is, right? If you want to angel invest, it's not a bad idea, especially in the UK, you can get EIS and SEIS tax relief if, if you, right? So this is the government basically giving you money back. They have something similar in, in, in Ireland as well. They do, yeah. Um, to... The, to so the government's basically subsidizing your investment right seis tax relief is 50 percent of your money back and you don't pay any capital gains tax you're essentially applying 2x leverage to your investment for free right um so there are great incentives there but founders want like uh to deal with as few investors as possible you don't want to raise money from you know 
tons of people investing a thousand pounds, ideally, if you can avoid it, right? Um, so what you need is someone to like lead a syndicate, organize all the people who want to invest in the deal and, 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 you know, pull that money. But, you know, if in total you've got 50 grand there, if you're paying 10 grand in fees, just doesn't make any sense. So we realized there was a need for something more automated. Um, and yeah, otherwise you could go to lawyers. There's also regulation, right? So like it costs 40 or 50 grand to um, become an appointed representative of a regulated firm, which you have to do in order to arrange deals. A lot of people just don't bother even doing that. And just, <laughs> there's a lot of angel syndicates out there just doing deals like technically illegally according to the FCA regulation. But I think the FCA turns a blind eye. This is the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK because they've got bigger fish to fry than a bunch of fairly sophisticated people, you know, putting some money in startups. But um, there's a whole load of barriers, right? The legal stuff is complicated. And we were just sort of like, look, how do you simplify this? And from the investor's perspective or from the syndicate leads perspective, it needs to feel a bit like Shopify, right? Like set up um, your fund vehicle in a few minutes, like you can set up a shop on Shopify and start selling products. And if you look at what Amazon have done with fulfillment by Amazon, it's like all the admin, all the logistics, the flow of payments, everything is just happening in, in the back end. And I think what's exciting, I like that analogy, because if you think about how Amazon and Shopify really commoditized e-commerce and what that did in terms of like changing consumer goods, right? Like um, before that, you know, big consumer goods businesses like Procter and Gamble and, and, and Unilever and these sorts of guys basically ran consumer goods, right. And controlled everything that was on supermarket shelves. Now there are hundreds, you know, thousands of, of startup brands and people selling products online and that sort of thing. And our view is if you can do the same thing in financial services and, and really commoditize the infrastructure and make the tooling available to more people and, and make it more accessible, um, then that's a, re a really good thing for um sort of the the speed of innovation but yeah that just didn't really exist in an accessible way before um in europe so what did you then first build in your mvp of odin i didn't build anything so mary my co-founder <laughs> is amazing um sort of savant genius software engineer product manager basically very good at whatever she puts her mind to also good at piano and violin and lots of other things um so she built everything in a weekend basically um so we spoke to a legal firm got some basic legal documents drafted for for the the bear trust structure which is the the type of spv structure that we use um and then we got our first customer our first customer was a guy called alex mcdonald who's quite a well-known angel investor and founder in in the uk um and um did, did a deal basically we weren't regulated at the time so <laughs> it was definitely on on the, on the edge of, of legal but we got regulated very quickly after that um i mean interestingly you know some of our competitors still aren't regulated and are doing this at quite large scale so there are gray areas and workarounds but the interpretation of our lawyers was definitely no you should you guys should get regulated um and then off the back of that we had traction right so that's when we were like I mean, actually before that, we did a deal ourselves using Cedars, the crowdfunding platform. So we just said, can we use it and run it as a syndicate? So deal with me instead of dealing with the founder and I'll handle the fundraising and stuff like that. 
and it was fine, but it, it wasn't really fit for purpose because it's a founder focused product and um, it was just overpriced. You know, I think we did 75 grand on that syndicate and they charged us sort of seven and a half grand or something like that and the majority of the carried interest on the deal and i was like you guys have done no work like why are you charging carried interest on investors that we've brought in um so we're like there's got to be a better way of this and i i knew the legal structure from crowdcube inside out and i was like this is simple like we should be able to do this very cost effectively um so we built that mvp and then off the back of that we were able to sort of raise some money and this was sort of mid 2021 so we closed a pre-seed round 800,000 pounds in September 2021 um and sort of got to work basically and then it's been uh, all systems ago since then awesome so if somebody is signing up to Odin now and they're looking to raise money so maybe a founder is looking to raise money or an angel investor representing their syndicate is looking to create one of these vehicles what can they expect when they sign up and i appreciate there are probably two very um, different experiences yeah i mean maybe a product demo would be the easy, easiest way to do this i don't know if everyone's sure. going to be watching on video but um let me see if i can share my screen or share a tab anyway yeah there we go so can you see that i can now yeah it's just loading up there you go i've got it yeah cool so basically they'll they'll sign up right now they have to fill out a, a form and then we get in touch and give them access to the product we're actually going to open up access um pretty soon right now it's sort of what i would call single player mode right so like eventually there'll be a marketplace so you'll have like the ability to discover syndicates and that sort of thing in a separate tab but right now it's just deals you've been invited to and then um deals you've drafted and you know if you're um raising money then you can see a deal that you're you're raising for um and if you want to create a deal you can basically hit create deal and then hit raise funds for my company or launch a syndicate and then you you go into a flow where um you can sort of set that all up right basically you know you're filling a bunch of information into a form that goes into our database and off the back of the information you push into that into the database we generate legal documents automatically um and then you get a deal page, you can invite investors, you can choose what carried interest and what fee you want to charge different investors. You ping them a link and then they they hit a deal page, they create their account, do some basic KYC, so know your customer and AML, anti-money laundering checks, and then they can invest in a few clicks essentially. Um, and yeah, that that's it. So very simple for the time being. Um, but I think this is... The thing that's been an insight for me is um if you do something simple even if the product doesn't look sexy um if people really need it they'll pay for it um like our first mvp was like embarrassingly you know sort of janky looking and and basic but you know they paid three grand for the deal or something like that and we were like wow this is amazing we're making money um so yeah, um, that's where it is right now. Our plan very soon is to, we're adding user profiles, we're opening up the sign up flow, and then we're gonna add this sort of like discover tab so that you can 
apply to join Nick Hines' syndicate or, you know, whoever's syndicate and, um, you know, join that community of investors. You'll be able to chat with other investors, share deal flow, all of that sort of thing. Um, that's very interesting. So yeah, I, I can't wait to see that. How are you acquiring customers or users of the platform? Um, so what's worked so far, we do, we do a lot on community and content. I would say like the two pillars. Um, and then in the middle of, well, there's probably three, right? Community content and product. We're very lucky in that there's a nice product led growth loop, um, where let's say a founder raises money with us. They invite 25 angel investors to the platform. One of them happens to run a syndicate and then they're like, Hey, I want to set up a syndicate. So we just get like a sort of an organic, there's like a nice network effect there basically. Um, or it's more virality, I guess. Um, and then on community, we run sort of like dinners and, and events and, and stuff like that, mainly in London right now. Um, and really focus on sort of operator investors, we would call them. So sort of like founders, angels, who've, who've got previous operational experience in startups, because there's a real gap for this in Europe, right? Like sort of 92% of VCs or something crazy have never worked at a startup, let alone started one. So, um, and you know, if, if you look at that, it's almost the inverse in the States, right? So I think 63% have previously started a company or, or came from startups first. So it's a very different funding ecosystem and you need both types, right? The, the people in Europe will tend to be more from like a private equity background or an investment banking background. Sometimes they've worked at McKinsey or BCG management consulting and that skill set's definitely valuable, but I think there's a need and a space for more operator investors. Um, so we really focus on that core sort of target customer. The interesting thing about selling a product that's for people in tech is that like, um, I mean, firstly, we're sort of like picks and shovels in a gold rush, right? Like um, everyone wants to invest in cool startups. We're just selling a service that lets you do that more easily um and then the plan is we will also have an option a call option on the gold is the way i pitch it to investors right so if we introduce capital to deals we also take some carried interest so um but yeah in terms of in terms of the acquisition all those people talk to each other firstly and then secondly if you look at any tech ecosystem like if you look at london there's probably 500 or a thousand people who are like very active, very engaged and like very networked who are like key nodes in that network. And if you engage with them in sort of a soft selling way by doing community events and dinners and stuff like that, they go out and sell the product for you essentially. Thank you to all those people, by the way, in our community <laughs> who a lot of them are our shareholders now as well, right? We brought a lot of them in as, as investors along, along the journey. Um, that's also been massive for us. Like we've got about, you know, we, we sort of, you know, sing from our own hymn sheet, obviously. And we've got about 250 investors who've all come in through SPVs that we've set up and they're a really valuable resource. And then now, so we've reached like a million run rate in terms of revenue. And then now we're starting to do more outbound sales as well and, and figure out on the basis of the profiles of people who are using the product. Okay, how do we outbound? That's not always easy because it's quite a fragmented market and people don't always publicly signal that they're running a syndicate or angel investing actively often because you just get tons of crap in your inbox if you, if you do that right um not always crap but you know 
a lot of a lot of uh, inbound from from people that's hard to screen um and then we do content quite a lot as well I, I haven't had as much time to push that as i would have liked that's actually what i enjoy doing the most is like writing putting stuff out on linkedin twitter um we're going to try you know doing a podcast more regularly at some point as well um and that's good for for building your audience and building reach um but um yeah i actually think probably where we're weakest is outbound sales we haven't done any sales really um and so that's where we're, we're hiring at the moment when you look at the deals that have been done and the startups that are raising on the platform what are some of the cases that stand out to you what are some of the you know hallmark cases or, or landmark cases that you're saying you know this is a really good example of where odin has worked really well for the parties involved yeah so i think in terms of delivering on the mission right so it's sort of like giving people access to in investment opportunities that are likely to be top quartile it's been exciting to partner with a guy who did y combinator and then we've um uh raised a bunch of money and invested in demo day y combinator deals actually before vcs so people have joined wow. our syndicate and invested in like 25 Y Combinator businesses. Could you elaborate on that? Because I, cause I actually read a LinkedIn uh, post by you where you talked about how you were able to raise a uh, million dollars based on a, a tweet and, and an email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um wrote a Substack post where I broke down the success of Y Combinator, basically. Uh, you know, just collecting information from the internet, not really coming up with anything. Just, you know, um, all the data is out there and all the information's out there. And I turned that into a tweet thread. Then the tweet sort of went viral. We've got like, you know, I think like, you know, about 900 likes and a bunch of retweets. So, you know, semi-viral. And again, right, like tech networks and ecosystems are very dense. So everyone who was like liking and retweeting that was like people who are founders, operators, investors, like our target demographic, right? And then um, we also obviously have a pre-existing network that we've built over time of people who are interested in investing. Everyone wants access to, to YC deals. And we basically said, look, there's going to be 15 deals. Um, you can just commit minimum of 1K per deal. So $15,000, which is quite a lot, but you know, reasonably accessible. Uh, if you're going to sort of make a passive bet on venture, it's not a, a bad place to start. Um, and you can just commit to invest in all 15. We'll prioritize the people who commit to invest in, in all 15, basically. And... We worked with, so I handled that side of things. And then um, Jeremy Hindle, who um, founded a business that was backed by Y Combinator, and he's now got a startup studio, sort of incubator, runs a few businesses. He handled actually a lot of the hard work, which was like vetting the companies, selecting, you know, talking to like 50 founders, whittling it down to like the 15 that we, we really liked and and negotiating an allocation in those deals which isn't always easy right because especially with the hot deals at y combinator you're competing with you know good funds to get into those deals luckily we were writing small checks right like 70k or something like that so we, we were able to sort of squeeze our way in the other good thing about yc is they have this very powerful sort of like alumni loyalty so because he was an alumnus, because he's like well rated internally on Bookface, which is like their internal social network, um, found, founders were happy to take our money. Um, so yeah, I sort of coordinated the fundraising. And it's, it's very easy to do that when Y Combinator is the story you're telling, right? It's sort of like, 
selling sweets to kids, right? Like it's it's not it's not a hard sell. Um, and then Jeremy did a lot of the hard work of coordinating. And then I should also shout out Alex, who's on our, our growth team, who did a lot of the operational work of corralling all the investors, chasing people up, reminding them to send their payments, that sort of thing, which is one of the more challenging parts of running a, an angel syndicate. Well, that's a really excellent success story. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to find that very compelling. When you talk about what happens next with Odin, you were talking about um, some of the upcoming features or, or aspects of the platform that you're going to be developing, such as the marketplace. You're also going to be growing out the team. Can you elaborate on that for anybody who may be watching this and is interested in making a move? Uh, what are you looking to grow out? Good question. So we need a head of product. Um, so, um, Mary's basically been doing a lot of the product stuff. And then we moved Tim, our founders associate into product for a while. Um, now he's back doing more operational stuff and yeah, we'd like someone quite experienced on products. So Mary can sort of get out of the weeds and spend a bit more time on, on strategy and, and culture and hiring, We're hiring and engineering. So senior engineers, we need a, a tech lead and an engineering manager. Um, so a tech lead would be you know, more of a sole contributor, individual contributor, who's a very, very good technically on, especially on backend, we're building Golang. Um, and this will probably be gibberish to most people, but anyway, <laughs> and then an engineering manager. So that's more of a management and leadership figure with the potential to evolve into more of a CTO role eventually. And then on the operationals or, uh, non-product side of the business, um, we'll be hiring um, a head of business development. Um, so I'd like someone ideally with experience, um, in venture, but then also operational experience in building a startup from, you know, 10 employees to 30 employees, like that sort of stage of the journey. Um, and ideally experience in like something similar. So like a marketplace where you're building workflow tools for one side of the marketplace and that's more of a b2b sell but then there's also a consumer side of the marketplace but that'll be more of a sales role um uh they're the near-term roles that we have we'll probably hire someone in operations um to do more of the the, the plumbing and, and and finance and that sort of thing later this year we'll probably hire a legal counsel we outsource all our, our legal for now it doesn't really even for us makes sense until we reach big scale to bring in like a full-time lawyer in-house um and then we're also always looking in other areas so customer success um actually like a good customer success person with decent experience is also something we would we would look at which i think is actually quite a hard role to fill because it's not always, it's, it's sometimes a bit of a thankless task, right? Like dealing with aggrieved customers and, and that sort of thing. But people who are really good at it and enjoy it are so valuable because um, delighting your customers is the most important thing. And, and um, it, it's really, I think, the difference between good businesses and great businesses. I'm a big follower of Jeff Bezos's customer obsession is is one of his core values. And if you ever watch any videos of Bezos, he'll say like the word customer like 15 times in like a three minute video, right? Um, and he's right, right? Like if you can always just think, how do we 
um, build something that our customers really like, then you can't go far wrong. And I think a big part of that is people and how your team treats the customer. I totally agree. I always um, think as well, you know, tech is, is a people business. Um, and that's something that we can sometimes lose. And with regard to customer success, business I, I is a people well. business. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and customer success people, you know, I think you're right. They can be, it can be kind of a, a thankless task, but actually they're they're so key to the reputation of your business and indeed as well retention of the customers that you've fought so hard to acquire in the first place. Yeah, I think the other challenge is like, I saw another good tweet. It was actually by, um, what's his name? Is the, he's the co-founder of AngelList, not Naval, but the other guy. He's called like Bab Babic Nivy or something like that. I can't remember his name. Anyway, um, and he was like, successful startups basically hire people who are way too competent for the job that they're doing. And I, I, I think that's like an interesting insight. Like if you have someone who's quite overqualified for the, for the job they're doing, you know they're going to do a really good job of it. And sometimes it's those those jobs that are like a little bit in the weeds where it's like, especially early on, it's really important to get those things right so that so that once you bring in junior people, um, you've built like a really good process and the person who's built that process really understands what they're doing and is, is, has approached it thoughtfully with the customer in mind. Odin is all about fundraising. Uh, you've talked before earlier on in this call about you raised 850,000, was that, that was pounds, wasn't it, that you raised before? So we raised eight hundred thousand pounds pre-seed, yeah, and then we've yeah, 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 yeah. We're just we're just closing a, a seed round at the moment as well. That was going to be my question, that's actually. Was wrapped up. Exactly, that was going to be my question. What what are your fundraising plans there? Yeah, so we've we've basically closed it all from angels and family offices in our network. Like we're very lucky, um, in that you know we're a fundraising tool for angel investors. So it's sort of the perfect uh, business to be when you're fundraising. So I, I don't think we're necessarily a good signal for like the market or how easy it is to, to do this right now. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, we've, we've, we've done it all from them. Strategically, we decided it was like actually smart and a higher priority to have as many of our customers on board as investors as possible. That way they're, they're more likely to engage, they're more likely to work with us, they're more likely to refer people um, they really help sort of like embed a stronger network effect into what we're doing. Um, I, I would say that that, I believe that that logic applies to like almost any business. So in terms of fundraising, if you're a pre-seed and seed, I think the first place to start is not like, how do I find random angel investors, right? It's like, go and speak to your customers, go and speak to your, you know, former colleagues, like people who understand you know you, trust you, and most importantly, rate you and think, I think Nick is a, a really competent person for this, this, and this reason, and I back him whatever he's doing, right? And I think if you can if you can raise that initial tranche of funding from from those people, which is how we started, um, you know, then then that's a, a really great way to to kick things off. Like when we did our pre-seed, it was mainly like our community we went out to, but that community we'd built on Slack. And then they started referring people in. And that's how we opened doors to bigger ticket angel investors and, and people who are, were more established. Because, you know, venture is really all about um, people and relationships. And uh, people are busy. So in terms of deal flow, they want stuff to be like 
high signal. Um, and that means if it's, if it's a warm introduction from someone they trust, they're way more likely to take a look at it, take a call with the founder, and then potentially go on to invest. Um, whereas if you're just like cold outbounding people, I, I don't think that tends to have a, a, a very good hit rate. I think that's really solid advice. Is there anything in particular with regard to the current market conditions that you see and you would be giving advice to other founders who are looking to raise at this particular time? Um, I think go and read everything Paul Graham has written. Firstly, is like the first bit of advice I would give any founder. So Paul Graham's the founder of Y Combinator. Um, I think the main mistake startups do is they start fundraising before actually thinking, are we building something people actually want? Can this business be big? Am I doing this for the right reasons, right? Am I doing this because I believe in the problem or am I doing it because my friends are doing it? I think it'd be cool to be a founder or cool to own a startup or whatever, right? Like um, your what, so firstly, your why needs to come from a place of like, um, uh, you really, I think it's, I think it's better. I, I don't buy too much that thing of like, you have to be passionate about what you're doing, right? You can be passionate about the process. And, uh, like there's a quote from like Rockefeller or someone where he's like, I don't love money. I, I love the making of it. Um, which is like, you know, he enjoys the process of, 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 of making the money. But um, you need to enjoy that and, and get energy out of it. Otherwise, you, you're going to burn out when things are, are difficult, right? They're not going your way. Um, and so I think, you know, always start with why. And then um, the what, you need to really ask yourself, okay, do people really want this? Is there pull? Like, even at pre-seed, you need like really strong evidence that people are willing to pay for what you're selling, right? Like before we raise, especially if you don't have much track record, which, you know, we didn't when we raised our pre-seed. So we already had a paying customer before we, and that paying customer had already said, I will invest in this business if you build it. So we had very strong signal that, and that was mainly a market problem, right? It wasn't because it might've been because they also thought, you know, Mary and I were compelling founders, but you know, you need, both right but like um i really think people underestimate like you just need to demonstrate clear market need and demonstrate people are willing to pay for for what what you're selling and then the third thing is once you can demonstrate willingness to pay it's like are you growing so if you read one piece by paul graham there's one that's called startup equals growth that's the the name of the the blog post and he's like look basically the only thing that matters in startup is how fast are you growing because that's the that's the only difference between running a startup and running like any SME, like a consulting business or something like that. You start a good startup when it's very early on, will be growing like 7%, um, 7% a week, I think is, is, is the stat. So, you know, monthly because of compounding, I think that's about 35, 30, 35%, um, which is pretty fast, right? Like, uh, that means if you do one K one month, you're doing 1300 quid the next month and within a couple of months you'd be doing you know tens of thousands of pounds um so you need to figure out what metrics are important um and then show that you're growing meaningfully in those metrics which which means you're showing market pull right so rather than you like pushing your product out into the market there's there's real demand and that's a really early indicator of product market fit 
And I would say, don't bother fundraising until you've thought about those three things, right? So like, um, you know, uh, why am I doing this? Um, have I got someone who's willing to pay for it? And <clears throat> am I growing fast? If you can, if you can solve those three things, fundraising is going to be easy. Um, then you can start thinking about storytelling and blah, blah, blah. But like all of that stuff pointless. If you can't like just show that you have something that can be a big business. I think that's fantastic advice. Thank you so much, Patty. Um, so we're running up towards the end of our conversation together. Uh, but I always like to give this time now as an opportunity to founders to uh, talk to the audience about any maybe um, call to action that they would like for the audience to take or um, yeah, how they can get involved. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, look, anyone who's who's interested in using our product, feel free to ping me an email directly. It's paddy at joinodin.com. Um, and I can loop you in with one of the team for a chat. You can also check out our website, joinodin.com for for more info about about what we're doing um and yeah i encourage you to to reach out and uh we can have a chat and see if we can help you awesome patty thank you so much for coming on the show today i really appreciate it i think what you're doing with odin is really fascinating you're you're uh fixing a lot of problems in the space and i can't wait for even more deal flow to be coming through the platform building the next generation of businesses out there so thank you so much again patty Thank you,